You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Yo, Chris, what's up, man? This is Marco out here in Denver, dude. Love your show. You're crushing it, man. You seem to be crushing it, like, right off the bat. So keep it up, man. I love the show format. Interviews are great. Uh, I found this thing, like, a month ago. I've been going through the episodes of the bands that I love, like Emery, Take You Back Sunday, and Thursday. Just finished that one with Tucker. That was a killer conversation, man. Loved learning about, like, his musical experience outside of Thursday. I didn't really know any of that stuff about him, so... Um, yeah, man. And I also love always getting suggestions of new bands and new music. So that one episode that was sponsored by Havoc Faction, that song was killer. Want to hear more of their stuff. Um, and that, in that first episode, we talked with Joel. You offhandedly mentioned that Australian band that you loved, Silverchair. I think you said they might be your favorite band or one of your favorites. And I'd heard of them, but I haven't really like listened to much of their stuff. But dude, I've been jamming out to Silverchair all week. So thanks for that recommendation. Those guys are killer. So I love learning new stuff like that and getting inspired with new music. You're the man. So because of that, I want to say thank you. Anyway, dude, keep it up. Keep it up with that one time on tour. Just wanted to say, yo, shoot you some love. Peace. Hello and welcome to episode number 16 of that one time on tour. As always, I'm your host, Chris Swinney. You guys probably noticed that clip at the beginning of the episode. Uh, that's our buddy Marco out in Denver. Marco left us some love on the TOTOT hotline uh, and he made it onto an episode. So if you guys want to leave us some love, leave us some hate, tell us a tour story, whatever you'd like to do, make sure that you call 1-765-372-8818. That is 1-765-372-8818. And leave us some love or some hate, whatever you want to do. Uh, on this week's episode, I sit down with my good friend Adam Glass. Uh, Adam used to be in a band called Ripped Away, that my first band, Chronic Chaos, played with quite often back in the day. And uh, when those bands kind of ran their course, we started a band called The Widow Jenkins. And uh, actually, Joel Green, ex member of the band Emery, and past guest on this show, was in that band with us. So uh, we talk about all of that the rise and the fall of the band, the two incarnations of the band. Uh, Adam also has a tabletop game company called Lost Age Games. We talk about the successful Kickstarter that kind of got that all going. And uh, they're getting ready to put out a second game very, very soon. So this episode is a lot of fun. And I, I, had, a, I had a blast sitting down with Adam. We didn't even get on the phone. We got in, together in person and both had mics and, and did it the right way. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I do want to get a little bit of business out of the way first. I need to tell you about my sponsor, rockabilia.com. They are your one-stop shop for everything band-related. 
Uh, they have over 500,000 unique items, all officially licensed by the bands. Great quality stuff. Uh, you guys need to check out rockabilia.com. They have everything you could ever imagine as far as bands go. And uh, when you go to check out at rockabilia.com, make sure to put in the promo code PCTOTOT to save 15% on your entire order. That is promo code PCTOTOT. So uh, make sure that you are following us on all of the social media platforms at TOTOT Podcast. If you'd like to be a sponsor, make sure that you send me an email to TOTOT Podcast at gmail.com and subscribe on iTunes, rate and review us in the store uh, and or, you know, like us on SoundCloud, whatever you want to do. But without further ado, I'm going to jump right into my episode with Mr. Adam Glass from the Widow Jenkins and Lost Age Games. Hey, and I am sitting here with uh, a good friend of mine, Mr. Adam Glass. Uh, Adam has played with me in the band The Widow Jenkins. He was also in a great band back in the day called Ripped Away. He runs a gaming company and uh, a lot of other stuff. So, Adam, what's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, hey, Chris. Great to be here. I'm very excited to have you. It's nice to have not only a good friend of mine, but you are my step-cousin. That that's right. I'm not sure exactly what the uh, the term for it is, but yeah, we. I, are I like step cousin. Step cousin, yeah. or just cousin. Cousin, that works. Yeah. <laughs> so the way that I start these out, and I say this every time, I want to go back in time in Adam G's life. Mm. I want to go all the way back to when you first kind of you know realized that music was something that was important to you, and some of the some of the moments that kind of made that that switch flip for you. Okay, uh, let's see. Well, um, I came from a, a pretty musical family. A lot of the people in my family were musicians in one way or the other. Um, my grandpa was an opera singer. My uncle Jeff was a pretty accomplished blues musician, still is. Um, my stepfather. Yes, your stepfather. <laughs> um, you know, and just uh, cousins and... And uh, just every, everyone pretty much had some some uh, musical aptitude. And I never really thought too much about that when I was a kid. And that really wasn't anything that I'd planned on getting into. But I, I think, um, well, originally, I'll say like how I got into music was through listening to Dr. Demento. When I okay. was, <laughs> when I was uh, about 10 years, just young. And... Um, I knew nothing about music, obviously, but what that did, and I listened to that for a few years, what that did is it really gave me a, a good background into a lot of different styles of music. You know, there's a lot of, uh, just a lot of novelty songs. So that, that, uh, that really gave me a, a good background in that. And at some point, so, I, so of course I was a big Weird Al Yankovic fan when I was a kid, you know. I watched UHF the other night. I hadn't seen it in so long. It still holds up, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Such that's a, a great movie. One. Yeah, I, st- I still like Weird Al, you know, today. I mean, he's a, he's a really great musician, you know, all things considered. But anyway, um, I remember um, a friend of mine in, uh, in junior high, he, he had that cassette tape. Everyone had cassette tapes back then of... Um, it was the 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 playoff of uh, the Nirvana album. I can't remember the name of it. Off oh, the, top the of it. Uh, smells like Nirvana. Smell, that that was yeah, that was the the single off of it. But anyway, I wanted to, to uh, borrow that off of him, and he didn't have it. And uh, he said, "Well, hey, I've I've got Nevermind here. You could borrow that." 
I'm like, oh, you know, all right, well, you know, Weird Al seemed to like them, so yeah. how bad could it be, you know? And uh, I got that home, listened to it, and changed my life completely. Nirvana, it, you know, it was Nirvana from then on out, well, for, you know, next couple of years anyway. And um, that's, from that moment on, that's what I realized I wanted to do. I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to be like Kurt Cobain or, you know. Had um, you, like, been singing at all or had you, like, played guitar or anything prior not, to that? Not prior to that. Uh, I actually wanted to play bass when I started. And I would listen to uh, Chris Novoselic, his his stuff on the Nirvana album. And I, I thought, hey, that, that, would be, that would be cool to do. And... Uh, I, I hear that a lot from people because I think, uh, I mean, most bass players, they cite Flea or, mm-hmm. you know, like metal guys talk about Cliff Burton. But the thing that I really like about him is that it was very tasteful, but it was very melodic as well. If you really put on headphones and listen to the stuff on Nevermind or even uh, mm-hmm. In Utero, it's it's different. It's a different style of bass playing. There's a lot of notes in there that maybe other people wouldn't play. Right, right. But it's not complicated like the Flea stuff. You know yeah, I mean, I mean, he really added a lot to you know to the band and, and wasn't showy. And I, I liked it, and that was my intention. You know, I, I talked to my dad about getting me a, a bass guitar for my birthday or Christmas one year, and he uh, surprised me with a regular guitar, like an electric guitar, and said, you're not going to learn how to play bass because you can't do anything with the bass. You know, you yeah. need to learn how to play regular. I'm like, oh, whatever. You know, so I, I played that for a while. But uh, so you know that I, I was a guitar player for a while in a couple of my bands, but I know, I, I hit a wall at some point with it. You well, know, let's say I, it was the Jolly Stompers. Was that the yes, first one? Yes, that was my first band, and I was the... The uh, rhythm guitar player in that band, and then you sang in that band too. And sang, yes. Okay. And then uh, um, ripped away. I was a uh, guitar player and rhythm guitar, and uh, which was ripped away was kind of just a. Uh, Don't man. downplay it, man. You guys were great. Well, I- I'm just gonna say that was kind of an evolution from the Jolly Stompers, which was my original yeah. kind of high school little poppy punk band into kind of something that's more serious it's ripped away had elements of that pop punk sound but you guys had like some death metal you guys had yeah a lot of crazy stuff and it was all in one big package and it sounded great together too but yeah so after that uh you know it it was just kind of uh, you know stair stepping from nirvana i got into everything you know uh all the punk the metal you know even a little bit of the death metal that you talked about you know i liked uh Still a, a big fan of that, and uh, I, I got a lot of. Uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but you gave me. You might not have given it to me. I might have just stolen it from you. That's possible. But uh, a Nile shirt that had the sleeves cut off. Yes, I yes. might have cut the sleeves. I, off. You may have cut the sleeves off. I was actually wondering about that, where that shirt ended up. The I still other day. have it. Yeah, yeah. but but I, what I was going to say is. Uh, <laughs> When we, when I was in the Ataris, we played in Phoenix at the Warp Tour, and I have a picture wearing that shirt. I wore that short uh-huh. shirt on stage, and I got so many compliments from people on that shirt. Really, like especially like the crew guys, like all the crew guys that set the stage up. They're like, "Oh my God, you got a Nile shirt on!" Like they were so excited. Yeah, you know, they man, they were one. They were one of my my favorite bands back in the day. And and what was great is when we played, we played some club in uh, was it North Carolina or South Carolina? Oh, are you talking? On tour with the yeah. Jenkins, I think yeah. it was the new Brooklyn Tavern in, yeah. in South Carolina, uh, Columbia. And wasn't the uh, one the owner of the club or the someone there had managed Nile? Yeah, that was their home venue. Or I remember them. I remember I was, you talking to that guy about that. Yeah, that was, that was 
really cool to, to get to play the same stage that they played. But yeah, yeah, I liked it. Um, um, yeah, really. Uh, did you ever feel like there was like a distinction between the genres? Because the one thing that when you and I started hanging out a lot, the thing that I liked about you is I was always into punk rock, but I was also into metal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends were either or. Yeah, there, I, yeah, I, there was definitely uh, the punk kids and the metal kids didn't hang out with each other. <laughs> so, well, that's why like, yeah, I think yeah. you and I hit it off pretty well because we mm-hmm. liked both. Like I could go listen to No Effects and then turn around and listen to Nile or Cannibal Corpse or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, I had, I had an appreciation for many different styles of music and, uh, you know, I tried to uh, include that, uh, you know, in, in the bands that I was in, you know, these different, these different styles and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. (laughs) I mean, I love on that, uh, on the EP that Ripped Away did that I actually had something to do with Joey and I Mm. kind of there and helping Mm -hmm. you guys record it. Yeah. I mean, just how flawlessly you guys went from, you know, like some of like some of the more poppy kind of MXPX type, Mm. you know, almost early blink type sound into blast beats and just like growls. It was the cool. I love that record. I still listen to that record. Like, yeah, and then, uh, then a few years later, everyone was doing it. You, know? <laughs> you guys were definitely ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that was yeah, it was a great time. I remember that night pretty well, uh, going over there and recording that album. And it, I mean, it was a great, great recording. You know, uh, for us, I think it was probably the best thing that we had recorded. I just, I just time. think when I listen to that, it's not the songs, but like the way it's produced. There's a definite. It feels like that time period. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well, there were a lot of good bands in, in that area too. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of all torn down and, you know, a couple of other guys that, I mean, they had, there's some good musicians. That, there was another band. What were they called? Chronic chaos. <laughs> I heard of those guys. <laughs> Didn't they steal your guitar player? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what's funny about that is, um, back before I really knew you yeah. in high school, um, I, there, there was the band at our high school, and that was Chronic Chaos, you know. And I was not in that band, you know, obviously. <laughs> and uh, I was so jealous. I was like, "What? You know, how? Right. My plan was, how do I get in this band? Like, how am I going to get Dude, in this band? If I knew that you wanted and, in the band, <laughs> I probably would have pulled some strings. And well, then you know, eventually, it kind of it seemed to me like, well, you know, this isn't going to happen. You know, they're they're kind of like progressed beyond like you know what i'm gonna get to do here because you guys i mean even back in high school you were playing out and do, i mean doing all these we were doing sometimes two and three shows a weekend yeah i mean you guys were all you know on the, in the paper and you know well you know you guys are getting ready to hit the big time whatever so I'm like well fine i'm just gonna have to figure out how to start my own band here you know <laughs> and uh and compete you know in, in a way and there was there was a sort of uh, friendly competition between us i remember when we started playing shows with ripped away with your band like i knew all you guys we all went to the same school or most of uh, us did yeah and i loved what you guys were doing but i always did feel like and i'm not saying i was trying to up one up you guys but mm-hmm. i always felt like they got that show why didn't we get that show you know <laughs> well you know one thing I'm not sure how much like direct interaction we had with each other at that point. I mean, I, we, we shared a few classes and you know different things, but uh, there was a there was a point we were playing a show at some community center in Jonesboro, and we had uh, Isaac with us, and he was yeah. uh, you know this was his uh, early days of learning how to be a good manager, and yeah. and he had this idea. Well, let's 
let's make a poster or a, you know a flyer for for this show and uh well let me first say that everywhere there was a chronic chaos flyer for a chronic chaos show at every you know there everywhere, stickers all everywhere over the high school looked, there was a there was a you know a flyer for chronic chaos and uh so we had we made this flyer with Fabio on the front of it. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and it said, I can't believe it's not chronic chaos. And you know, we had ripped away and there, you know, or whatever. And, uh, and I remember some of the guys in my band yeah, kind of took offense yeah, to it. But it, I thought it was hilarious. It, we didn't mean any, you know, disrespect or anything. We just thought it was kind of funny. And, it, you know, but I mean, I can see how in the, you know, that might piss somebody off. But you know, I thought it was great. We, you know, we didn't. <laughs> We didn't want to hurt. I, you know, and uh, go, going back to that, there was some point I remember when uh, we were both of both of our bands were getting pretty big in the local scene. Yeah. When um, one of us, it might have been me, it might have been you, kind of reached out to the other band and and you know let's let's have a truce, let's let's have an alliance together, you know. And yeah. Then, and then uh, I think things got better after that. Oh yeah, too. absolutely. I remember you guys coming over to my apartment at the time, and and uh, then we started working together, you know, to to get uh, that venue that we were playing at, the, the Rain Tree. It definitely things and, things uh, got yeah. better when we joined forces. Yes, definitely, and uh, yeah. And I, I think a lot of stories probably from those days. <laughs> I've, I've talked so. to a lot of people from different scenes and different bands, you know, and I think that's a common thread. There's always kind of those two or three bands that kind of rise to the top of the scene. Mm. And then even if it's not a complete, you know, civil war <laughs> of the scene, it yeah. does seem like there's a little bit of competition. And I think sometimes it's healthy competition. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I because agree. I know that you guys you know whatever your, you know, interpretation of us was, when you guys started doing stuff and we realized, oh, we're not the only guys around anymore that do stuff, it pushed us to oh, do yeah. more. And I think it kind of vice versa pushed you guys to do mm-hmm. more as well. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you know, my guitarist and myself, we helped you guys record that EP. And right. we played shows together all the time. And it just kind of became this big incestual thing where both <laughs> bands just hung out all the time yeah, and played. I'd, I'd probably use a different word, but, uh, yeah, you know, it was uh... trying to use my whole vocabulary that I've got. <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was it was a really great time, and uh, you know it it kind of seemed inevitable that that all of us would get together and and, and you know do do something yeah. musical together, you know, as a result of that. So let's let's take it then to uh, the next kind of step in the progression was um, when Chronic Chaos sort of broke up, and I know that uh, Ripped Away was you guys were still doing some stuff. Aaron had joined our band. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was completely over or not, but then the next step was the Widow Jenkins, which is you and I sort of started that. Mm-hmm. Tell me your your thoughts or your memories on how that all came to be. Well, I remember between between times because um, there were two like kind of versions of that band. Yeah, there were two incarnations of the Widow Jenkins, and the yeah, so uh the like the 2003 version and then the 2007 Seven. version yeah uh, the uh so in between times between ripped away and the widow jenkins i tried to get uh several projects up and going with different people and just nothing really worked out i had uh um brian who uh eventually became the bass player for the widow jenkins he i did a few things with him yeah you know um just you know, a few other guys here and there. And if and, my listeners don't know, he's speaking of Brian Nelson, who then went on to be in the Ataris with me, and now he is uh, 
I think front of house for Baroness. So he's doing really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I worked with Brian quite a bit. Um, I know, I know we at least practiced several times yeah. and it was with, uh, some of our, our older members, but at some point I can't really remember exactly what happened, but, but, uh, whatever the lingering remains of, of that man was just, it, it stopped. I don't, well, Brian moved to Florida to go to recording school. Yeah, that that might have been it. And yeah. then I kind of lost touch with everybody. Uh, he was in Ripped Away. I think I think a few, at least one guy moved out of state. I think the other guy moved far, maybe into Indianapolis. I'm not really sure. I can't really remember exactly. It's been a long time. But uh, yeah, we, uh, I was kind of you know a man without a band at that point, and and uh, we started hanging out more often and. Uh, really started to uh, and my band wasn't over at that point we had taken uh this is a crazy story like uh jason and troy they were brothers right uh the drummer and the singer bass player for the for chronic chaos Mm -hmm. they had a company they'd started where they were doing construction and burying like cable for comcast and all this stuff Mm -hmm. and we were at the height that we'd ever been we just got off warp tour uh we were selling all kinds of cds like things were really kind of hitting we thought it was going to take off to the next level and they hit me with, hey, we want to take a year off and try to do our company. Mm. So we just went on hiatus. Mm. And yeah. during the hiatus, I was like, this sucks. I'm going to play music. <laughs> I'm, I don't own a company. Like, this is my life. Right. And I think that's when we started chatting or sending ideas back uh, yeah, and forth. I, mean, I think we, we talked off and on since we both liked metal and, and apparently we're the only two people in the world who did. Who liked both. Uh, yeah, who liked metal <laughs> and, you know, and punk. Um, that we would we would do some kind of a side project together at some point. I just I was always itching to get you to sing on my songs that I was writing. Yeah. Um and uh I think that eventually just that when when that happened with, with Chronic Chaos and you know that really kind of came to the forefront and like you know we're going to now we're going to hit it now we're going to go and and do this. And in the meantime I had found a drummer right Brand, yeah. Brandon Beaver who went on mm-hmm. to play in Ariari and a bunch of other bands um, and he was actually living at my apartment. Does, on the does couch. he still? Does he still play music? I'm, I believe I'm he is. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the where he's at. And I think he's in India. I'm not sure what band he's in now. But yeah, he's uh, pretty much consistently kept drumming since all this happened. So hmm. yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, uh, found a good drummer. Uh, Didn't have we, a full time bass player because Brian was in Florida, so our friend Daniel filled in. And I would bitch at him nonstop because he wouldn't buy a bass amp. <laughs> they were those were those were some stressful times, equally great and stressful. I remember, but practicing at your grandma's house before <laughs> I had to go to work at the gas station. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just trying to think. Aaron, you know, was uh, was in, uh, came back in, yeah. and, and that was great. And you know, uh, I, you know, speaking of him, I if I would have gotten a bass originally. It would. I think it would have been perfect for us. I, you know, because he was already playing. guitar. He was playing guitar. He's a great guitar. He's much. I, I'm not sure if he still plays. I'm sure he, he. You know, he didn't lose his amazing ability at it. Yeah. But uh, you know, we could have. Things might have been easier for us when we were originally starting out. If I would have just played bass originally, and he played guitar, and everything would have been fine. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Aaron. Uh, Aaron got in, and then we. Uh, Started uh, sort of the, the fun work of writing songs and practicing yeah. every single night. And I would drive from uh, from the Marion, which is, you know, about th- 30 miles away from Muncie. Uh, every night I'd get off work and I'd drive over to uh, Muncie and, and we'd start our band practice at about 
what, midnight every <laughs> every night with yeah. uh, with acoustic acoustic uh, instruments. And then after and, a while, we had everything in the living room yeah. of Aaron and I's apartment, and we would jam in there because it was by the campus, so nobody really cared how loud right, we were. Right, right, yeah, and it was a great time. And, and uh, yeah. We wrote some good songs. We did. I, I don't know if you remember this exactly, but I, I just had this light bulb go off. I remember kind of the catalyst, at least for me, I don't think we'd done anything yet. Brian was going to Full Sail University uh, down mm. down in Winter Park, Florida for recording. Right. I went down there to visit him after Chronic Chaos kind of ended, and we'd already been discussing doing something. Mm-hmm. And he was at school one day, and he had an acoustic guitar that was in tune in drop D, and I had never played in drop D. Mm. And I sat there, and I, after about an hour or two, I'd written the majority of My Israel. Oh, and when I came back, I think I showed you, like, check this song out. I wrote, I've never written a song in drop D tuning mm-hmm. before. And th- I mean, that's, I don't remember exactly what happened after that, but I, well, knew- I'd never, uh, screamed that like that in any of the music that I, I done. I mean, that was, uh, it, it kind of had a, a sort of, uh, like poison the well kind, yeah. of, kind of vibe to it. Um, you know, with, with also with the melodic singing, but, uh, I, I never really, did that and that was kind of different really for the time yeah. and there are a lot of bands doing it obviously like uh zayo and i mean i feel you know, i feel but, like with our influences even right. though that was kind of the next big thing i think we hit it kind of early yeah we did and a lot of people didn't really understand what we were doing i remember that there were there the, were no breakdowns yeah we didn't have breakdowns because i was a thrash guy yeah um that, <laughs> i remember the kids like at the shows would be like dude you guys are so good but i want a breakdown so i can man, mosh there, there was a weird like we played a show uh, at some point, and I remember there were these kids that had lined up, and they were all in like workout gear. They were like in, in like sweatpants, yeah. and, and you know, and they were staying there getting doing stretches, and, and they you know they were getting ready to start their calisthenics exercise, you know, to our music. I'm like, what you know, what is going on here? You know, because we were then, playing with hardcore bands. Yeah, we, we played with a lot of hardcore bands. But, we didn't you know, fit with the punk bands really anymore, and yeah. so the only other thing in the metal bands, we weren't really a metal band. So it was with this weird in between thing. Yeah, it was a it was a conscious decision to to not really do breakdowns. I, I mean, I, that, I remember we we wanted to like we I think not knocking any bands yeah. to do that. Okay, I love you know I love breakdowns. I love gents. I love you know all that stuff. But we that just wasn't what we wanted to do, and we wanted to kind of just focus on like a more traditional. We didn't want to. We, we felt if we did it, we would just be. Copy gimmicky. Yeah, yeah. If we did it, we'd be copying. Well, we I remember. I mean, I remember most the majority of the guitar stuff. You know, sans a couple songs where you wrote some stuff. Mm. I, I've I've never written a breakdown in my life. And mm. there's one song. I don't know if you remember. I don't even know if it has a name or not. Window in the door. Yeah, yeah. That has a breakdown. Yeah, I don't think we ever actually that one never really got that out one never of got played live. Studio. Yeah, that was yeah. just a demo. And I think one of the reasons I never really wanted to—I mean, I love that song—but one of the reasons I never really did much with it was because it had a breakdown. I felt it was weird. You said it was a conscious effort for yeah. me writing songs. It was subconscious, but then when someone would say, "Oh, hey, why are there no breakdowns?" Then it became conscious because I'm like, well, yeah. I'm not going to do that then if that's what you want. I, yeah, I didn't think the lyrics for that song were very good either. So I kind of, we just kind of go, there's some just, really good parts in that song, but it was, it was kind of just a sketch pad song. Yeah, you know? right. But uh, so we're in the Widow Jenkins, uh, that first incarnation yeah. of the band. Um, what I don't even really remember exactly. 
what happened? <laughs> uh, I, I have my Spinal Tap story. Okay, yeah, let's do uh, that. And this involves you which, with, with the Widow Jenkins. Um, there may have been others, but this is one that I remember. We were playing uh, some bar here in town, and we hadn't practiced for a, quite a while, and we were really just out of, you know... Out of our out of our game, or what? And we know, were normally you know. very tight. Yeah, we we just been kind of kind of lazing along, you know. And, and then we we're gonna play. Let's play the show. And we didn't really get any practice in that week, so it was kind of a sloppy show. And uh, I remember we were playing, and uh, maybe one or two of us had something to drink. I don't know. We we don't <laughs> we didn't drink. Yeah, uh, really. You know, I don't think ever. I've never. You know, been we a we were not. You know, we smoked cigarettes. I think that yeah. was our that was our vice. That's, None of us even smoked we, weed. Yeah, we didn't do. Yeah, we were basically straight edge, except we smoked cigarettes and, and drank and, soda and weren't straight edge. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, we were bevel edge. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, we got up there, we were playing, and, and and I remember, you know, trying to get into into it, and and, and in those days, it was fashionable to wear a chain wallet. I, I always had one. <laughs> and uh, this uh, particular chain wallet that I had had a hook for some reason. I, it, when I, I don't know why it was there uh, at the top of the chain. And There's a you, picture for this story. Are you story starting to remember well. this now? I am now. And uh, uh, we, we, were, we were playing or whatever and you're doing our thing. And, and I remember kind of like leaning in to do some sort of uh, you know rock pose or whatever. And I was soloing or something. Yeah, and you, you flipped your guitar up just as I came up there. And then I tried to move away to <laughs> get – and like, oh, no, I am hooked. We were connected. To Chris's guitar somehow. On it was sp- on the E string, was the, the, e string. the high E string. Oh, my gosh. Hook. I was like, what? what are we going to do now? I think we finished the song. <laughs> I remember – I just didn't know what to do. I think I – pulled off the you know that yeah. and it threw your entire guitar out of tune yeah it was bad <laughs> it was just it was just terrible uh, that was like a that was one of my least favorite shows yeah, i've ever played show. and there wasn't a lot of people there because it was kind of a last minute thing yeah but uh yeah that was but, but yeah that's my spinal tap story of getting you know stuck and then yes yeah, somebody fortunately managed to get a picture of it when we're exactly you know, when it happened exactly so when we're stuck there so maybe you can find that and, i think i've got it and, somewhere and on a hard drive <laughs> yeah there there's that uh, i'm sure i could think of some other things uh what exactly i mean my memory is very fuzzy because there's two incarnations i know kind of how the second incarnation ended but that first incarnation what kind of killed it do you remember what killed the band because we stopped and then you started doing ishtari yeah and some um, other stuff i i think i think what happened was it was just i remember there was some big th- there was a lot issue. of uh like it was a lot of stress i think i think it a lot of stuff happened really quickly, and I think we were pushing really hard. Well, and I'll take the blame for a lot a of that because now here's the one thing I'll say. And I'm not trying to cut you off. But sure. Now it's coming back. Chronic Chaos was on this trajectory. Right. And when that band kind of, hey, it's hiatus time, I guess in my mind, because I've always been this kind of push through everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a dick. You got to tell me, I mean, you know, we've been in some arguments we've, before. We, we've had our moments. Yes. But, and I, I think my whole thing was, Oh, I have this new band. The songs are really good. 
I'm just going to pick up where Chronic yeah, Chaos left Yeah, we are going to be right at that same point. There's going to be no buildup. It's going to be right where we so, were at. So, yeah, I mean, we had, you know, it was practice every night. It regiment. Was, it was regiment. Yeah, I mean, it was really, uh, we, we referred to it a lot of the time. You know, everyone, you included, you know, we referred to it as a boot camp. It was a boot camp to, you know, and I think that we really, were recording demos weekly, yeah, just like playing shows. I remember uh, being being at a practice and we had nothing to record. And I was like, you guys go to the store, get something to drink. When you come back, I'll have a song. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite songs we did. What uh, one was that? Uh, Eulogy for a Fuck. Oh, yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that was just, it, 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 I wouldn't say it was your fault, I, you know, in that in that sense. I mean, it's just the, the stress of, yeah. all, I mean, we all wanted to be there. You know, we all wanted to I be. I pushed pretty hard. Though. I we all wanted to be at guys. that point. And, uh, well, yeah, I mean, and. And yeah, it, that just happens, you know, and, and then we were young, we were young. It was a different time. Yeah. You know, lessons learned and, and now we're, <laughs> you know, we're, we, we know not to do that next time. But uh, so when, when that incarnation ended, let's say, was it? Oh, four. Yeah. Maybe o- almost oh, five, something like that. We had a lot of interest and like a lot of, like a lot of stuff was happening for us. And then it yeah. just like, kind of just like a. You Victory know. was interested. Yeah. A couple other labels yeah. had shown interest. Uh, Velvet Hammer. Yeah, I, seem, I seem to remember Fearless might have been involved yeah. in, in something. Fearless uh, had gotten back to me because uh, I had also done some stuff with Brazil prior to that mm-hmm. and then after that. And they loved the demos. They they didn't really say, hey, yeah, I want to sign you guys. But they were, like, interested. Yeah. So when it all kind of – everybody in the band decided I – don't, I don't – I wish I remembered that day. I remember, like, you were kind of stressed out, didn't really want to do a show we had that night. I don't remember any of that. I do all. All I remember. Well, but it wasn't is, just you because I said, "Well, we have a show; it's booked." And then I remember Aaron and Brian both said, "Well, we don't want to do it either." I'm like, hmm. and then it was just over. It wasn't like a horrible night. It was just we. I just, don't. I don't really remember the the uh, the day that the band broke up. It does. It. I, I don't even. I don't seem to remember the band ever breaking up. Well, it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't like an official breakup. Yeah, it's just it, like kind of just stopped. In my mind, yeah. what I remember was that we were at the apartment on Wheeling here in Muncie. Yeah. We had a show that night. It was either the Emerson or the Melody Inn or Be mm-hmm. Here Now or one of these places. Yeah. And we were all there. We were getting ready to go. My dad was actually there on his mm. motorcycle. Oh. And that's the only reason I remember this. And I remember like we had this little meeting where we were getting ready to load up and go. And you said, I don't know. I think I want to play it. And I have no memory of that. Man. And I got really upset. And I wasn't like mean, but I was like, dude, what, what's going Are you on? Sure? Are you sure it was me that said that? I think sure. maybe you, maybe Aaron or someone said it and then you agreed. I, you might not have said it first because that's the thing. It's so cloudy in my head. Yeah, it's been a long time. But I remember that we didn't play the show that night, and then I don't think any of us spoke to each other for a while, and the band just kind of never did anything again. Mm. It was just kind of over. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, it's been yeah, it's been a while. I can't <laughs> remember, but but yeah, uh, yeah. I guess that's that's how it was. So after that, um, did you end up moving to India after that? Yeah. Um, about a, I, I think I kicked around for about a year, and you know, a uh, few months anyway, and then I ended up getting in, involved with some some other guys down in Indy, and and uh, that was a, a long, a long, uh, 
multifaceted situation. I don't even know like how, how to really go into all that. I just remember that was Ishtari, Ishtari right? It, yeah, Ishtari. And I uh, remember that the the CD that you gave me of the stuff you guys did. It was awesome. I mean, yeah, it was great. I mean, the unbelievable musicians. You know, they were they were um, just um, absolutely unbelievable musicians. Um, and that wasn't really what was the downfall of that band. But uh, was it sort of was it less of a boot camp? Did you feel a little more comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> Drill Sergeant Swiss wasn't there. Uh, no, I mean, I mean it, well, for the longest time, we we didn't have a band. It was it was really just me and the guitar player, and and we we uh, we wrote all the material, and then we the band kind of formed around that. Yeah, uh, and uh, we, you know, I I, I don't want to sound cheesy, but it's one of those uh, artistic differences, sort okay. of irreconcilable differences, sort of situations between us and. Uh, and we just, uh, I, I kind of went went away from it. Um, a lot of good things came out of going to Indianapolis, though. That's where I met my future wife. Uh, that whole time period when I was writing that music down, it was some of the best stuff I'd written. I loved like, it. Lyrically, you know, I mean, I'd really, I'd really hit a, a, a new level, you know, that was, that was uh, kind of uh, a lot better than anything I'd ever done before. Yeah. I didn't think I was capable of a lot of it. I don't know why, if I just had the, the time or the space or, or, or what, but, uh, but yeah, that, so there's some good things that came of it, but, uh, I don't really want to move back to Indy anytime soon. If you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so do you remember then, well, I guess we'll get into the second incarnation. Um, I had written a song and I was going to start a band called 21 Guns. And this is way before yeah. the, way before the Green Day yeah. song, 21 Guns. Right, I remember that. And we tried out like four or five disc singers and nobody was just, I mean, and I, I know I'm going to stroke your ego a little bit. Once I was in a band with you, <laughs> no, once I was in a band with you, then I'd get these guys in here, oh, I can sing. And I'm like, motherfucker, you can't sing. You know, and if anybody out there is one of the guys that tried out, hey, I'm no, sorry. No, no comment for me. You know, um, you know, you, you just have, you have a very unique voice. Like it, plus it's a baritone and right. there's not a lot of guys doing the stuff you were doing that aren't, you know, tenors. Like it, it just, it has a very unique tone to it. And plus you go in and out of the screams and the growls mm-hmm. and everything. So we had these guys trying out for this new song that I'd written for Brian and I were going to start this new project Yeah, and it just didn't work. So I don't know. I don't know like what you were doing at the time, but I remember I emailed you the track with no vocals, just an MP3. And literally a day or two later, you sent it back with vocals and I almost shit my pants. It was (laughs) (laughs) like, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like the widow Jenkins, but it's, better than the widow jenkins it was different there were so many layers to the harmonies and weird like you'd always do these little things that were like little percussive things that were kind of hidden and they pan out and i don't know you have a great mind for producing vocals thank you uh so what was that whole like you got that email from me and i know like we hadn't talked for a long time i was like shit man mm -hmm. if i can't find a singer i'm just sending this to the guy i know can do it yeah um well i because you were in Ishtari, Ishtari I, at that point, kind of. Uh, it was it was kind of on on. I was kind of on my way out of it, I think. Uh, and I didn't have have any intention after I left that band to to ever be in a band again. Yeah, I'd had such a bad experience with it that I just I was done. I didn't want to play music anymore. But I'll get back to that in a second. The uh, is that when you burnt your guitar at the tree? No, that was. A- <laughs> 
<laughs> we won't talk about that. Okay, that we, was we, that was a few. That, that's a, a very. That'll be a bonus episode for my fan club. I'm getting ready oh to start. my gosh! Uh, I I I snapped it in two, Chris. Okay, right. I didn't burn it. It's funny how your memories change because I I just in my head I'm like seeing you. Think like, I would burn the guitar. I'm seeing you do like the Jimi Hendrix it was thing. Like, it was like that episode of that Tenacious D episode. Uh, the the Sasquatch episode oh, yeah. where you know I'm talking about where Jack Black's like shh be very quiet and he snaps the guitar <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, anyway uh, yeah that was that, that was a weird weird thing but anyway um where was I uh I sent you the MP3 you're you're sort of on your way out yeah I was out, I was on my way out of 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 music yeah you know I didn't want to to really play music anymore and uh, and like well you know they sent me this this is this was a lot different. From, from what I'd been doing it was almost and you'll, you'll know this from playing in many different bands that every band has their own unique feel yeah apart from the sound of the music there's a there's just a, a kind of a I don't know a spiritual vibe or something to the music that's even with the way it's recorded the way the guys are able to record the music yeah. and play the music it's just real and I, and I there was a very distinct vibe for the Widow Jenkins, that was you know re- like reminiscent of of uh, you know like hardcore DIY you know that on that side, and then the band I used that I to was feel in. like the bands that we'd play with, like maybe you've got this slick, amazing record, and you've got your hair all done up nice and everything. Yeah. We'll kick your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> like put us on the stage with you, and you're yeah. gone. That's how I always felt about it. I always felt like us against the world, right? And that DIY thing was definitely there. Yeah. But uh, the uh, the other band that I was in at the time had it, has, it was a much different vibe, and and I I would I was very entrenched, obviously, in that music and, and that vibe, and, and kind of writing to that style. You guys were like concept oriented. Yeah, I mean, it was very experimental stuff. Yeah. I would probably just call it experimental metal. That's okay. really what we played. Um, you know, all kinds psychological horror punk. <laughs> you know, like what <laughs> what do you want to call? It? But. Um, Anyway, that was like that vibe was there, that Widow Jenkins vibe, you know. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of stirring up some stuff in me, you know. I'm going to play that, and so I, I went ahead. And, and what I did um, is I kind of wrote a sequel to My Israel with the lyrics of the song. I love that man. And uh, it was basically just kind of just really just a sequel. And so I really I like that song a lot. I, that's Kind of, you know, sincerity you know. in the damned, right? Yeah, sincerity in the damned, and uh, and it came out really quickly. I I'd, I'd used a, you know a lot of the stuff that I learned in uh, in songwriting, yeah. you know, in you know, put into a lot. I learned a few things about recording, and you know, and uh, yeah, I think it turned out really well, and I'm pretty proud of it. I mean, I just remember I was actually with Brian. Mm-hmm. I think Aaron might have been there as well, and you sent it back, and we listened to it together. And I was like. This is the coolest thing I've ever heard. I mean, it just, Dang. I, I, I never met anybody before. And like, this is no downplaying to Chronic Chaos or any of the bands I've been in where I've written songs. But for some reason, when I would write a song and then you would put your stamp on it, it just felt complete. It felt mm. like a period at the end of the song. Right. And I hadn't had that with a lot hmm. of, and maybe it's because, you know, I always put so much time and effort into what I was trying to create musically. And you do the same thing. And it, I, I just always felt like we were a good team. 
yeah. for the stuff that yeah, we, we do. Were. And I'm very, I'm still proud to this day. Like I let people hear my Israel. I let people hear sincerity in the damned all the time. And there's a, there's a band camp page. I, I tell people to download it for free all it's the time. A, it's a strange thing about, about that song, about my Israel. Um, every, and this is, you know, God's honest truth. Every three or four years, someone discovers that song. It's on iTunes. Is it? Yeah. And I think it's on Spotify. It's on Spotify as well. There was a, um, well, here, let me tell this story really yeah. quick. And cause I don't think I've ever told you this. So a couple years ago, I was, uh, I was living in Alabama and, uh, my computer crashed hmm. and I couldn't find any CD copies of the stuff we had done. And I really wanted my Israel because I always had it on my iPod and I just, it's, even though, you know, we wrote it, I love that song and I've always just been, I mean, that's my song, you know? Right. And I was like, crap, I, I can't find it. And then I went, well, okay, I know it's on Bandcamp because I put it up there a couple years ago. So mm-hmm. I'll just download it off Bandcamp. But when I, I couldn't remember the actual Bandcamp address, so I Googled the Widow Jenkins and I found out that we were on a compilation from a German record label. <laughs> and the name of the cost of, co- the name of the compilation is called The Cost of Freedom, and it's got like this black and white U.S. flag on fire. <laughs> and I don't remember ever speaking to these people, but our song is on there, and it had an iTunes link. Huh. So I went to iTunes, and that, that compilation that was released in like 2014, we recorded that song in 03. Yeah, I know. That, that's kind of what I was going to say. Like every two or three years, it seems like someone would contact me um, and, or... You know, that song would get rediscovered and someone would be very excited to. I've had people email me and go like, are you guys touring? What's going on? Like the band's been done for so long. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, my, my brother who lives in Canada, uh, I haven't, I hadn't talked to him in, uh, in years, you know, we just kind of, kind of, you know, drifted apart. He but, was in uh, Europe for a long time. Yeah, too, he right? was. Yeah, he was in Europe. And he was, you know, hard to get a hold of. That's a whole other story. But uh, we, uh, he, he called me out of nowhere one morning. And I, you know, normally I don't answer strange numbers like that. You yeah. know, let's see, you know, Canada's calling me or whatever. You know, <laughs> you, you got to pick up the phone, you yeah. know, when Canada's calling. And uh, he was like, hey, man. And he had the Canadian, you know, accent going on. And, uh, like, who is this? You know, so this is your brother. And I'm like, no, like, no, what? He's like, yeah, I lost my accent. And I'm like, I'm not so sure you did. You know, I think you, <laughs> you might have gained, you, you might have found one. But, uh, you know, no, nothing against the Canadian. I love, I love Canadians. Uh, some of our biggest supporters have been Canadians. And I love Canadians to death. But um, he, uh, he said uh, that he was working somewhere. He, he had his own business and that song was on some, random playlist or something that he had and someone heard it the owner of this place that he was cleaning and was apparently involved in the music business in in some way shape or form and he wanted like he wanted me to to come up and put on a showcase or start a band (laughs) or do something you know it's like a weird phone call to get you know at you know and this was like two this would have been like 2013 you know, it could have been when that when that went up because yeah. I mean that's how it got on. I never, I mean, when that band died, I didn't put it on. I just put it on yeah. Bandcamp because I knew people wanted it. Right. But yeah, it somehow, and I'm pretty sure that company in Germany got it off Bandcamp. Never asked me, and but, but I'm I'm happy it's on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, just things like weird things like I'm like, well, do you know? I can't go. I go up to Canada and you know record. It was just it was kind of like a 
kind of a strange, you know, difficult request anyway, uh, even if I was still into it. But, you know, I, I was just like a brand new father at the time yeah. and, you know, all that. And I'm like, I'd have to get a hold of the guys and, you know, all this other stuff. See, But uh, but anyway, yeah, that and then several other just, you know, things like that would always happen where, where someone would, would usually meet me for the first time. I'd tell them I was in a band and they'd be like, roll their eyes or whatever, yeah, whatever, <laughs> And so is everybody. And then, you know, they would play that song uh, yeah. at some point. They'd find it, and then they'd come, oh, you're, you're, you know, you did that? And it's like, yeah, you know. What do you think? I was, you know, not, you know, I was making up that I was in a band? Or I've, gotten, <laughs> I've gotten many emails in the last, because my email address is on the band camp, and I've gotten probably 20 to 30 emails in the last four years from Japan. Hmm. Because I so I guess that song's made the rounds over there pretty pretty heavily. Right, and yeah, and the point is, you know, it's just it just seems like there's something about that song that really resonated with people. Yeah, you know, and that that's really my point. You know, not like to disparage anyone for being excited about you know a song that I wrote or, or you know pat me on the back, I'm awesome because I wrote this amazing <laughs> song or you know not at all. It's just a very I don't I don't even know what the word would be. It, it's almost like it's a it's like a classic hit. That nobody knows, like a, like a one-hit wonder song <laughs> yeah. from back in the day that no one has heard. Well, do you of before. do you remember when so. we did record it? We got airplay on X one hundred and three. We got airplay on the Bear up in Fort Wayne. Uh, I remember the Bear. I don't remember X one hundred and three. X one hundred and three played it like three or four times hmm. um, because I had a buddy that was working there and he kind of snuck it in. Huh, that's cool. <laughs> no, I don't remember. I don't remember that. I remember you know going up to the Bear for an interview. Um, they still yeah, play it. Cool. They still played on the Ball State Station. Do they? I, one of my students huh. last year actually was wow. uh, a guy that worked at the at the radio station, and I the first time he came in for lessons, we started discussing everything, and he's like, "Wait, you're in the Widow Jenkins?" He goes, "That song plays like four or five times every couple of days." Oh wow! That's I'm a, not sure why it still plays. That's pretty good for a 15 year old song. You yeah, know, that nobody really remembers anything else about it. You know, that's cool. When I show people that song, they they dig it. So I mean, I think mm. I do think that that band. Given a little bit more, maybe nurturing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something bigger could have happened. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it could have. Because um, then that second incarnation. I mean, you get the song, you like it. I talk you into joining. We throw away twenty one guns and decide to just be the Widow Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Joel Green from Emory moves from South Carolina to Indiana to be the third guitarist because I always wanted to be like Iron Maiden and have three guitars. Yeah. And then we just started gigging, and I feel like the vibe and the stress levels were different for that second incarnation. Even though we did, you know, we toured a little bit and we did stuff here and there, but uh, I think that all kind of ended almost in the same way. It just kind of ran its course a little bit. Right? Yeah, I, I couldn't keep up with the pace anymore yeah. of being in a a, a real band. Yeah, you, you, you know, so we played some big shows. We played with us today. We played so many big shows. There was, you know, there was so much that was going on in my life, and I just couldn't keep up with it anymore. And and uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, I'm. It seemed like a lot of good things though happened for you guys after that. You know, so it, it was a gateway into Brian and Jake and I joining the Ataris, uh, and I mean, it just kind of. Because we had done such, you know, what I thought at the time was I was proud of the work that we had done. Mm. And a lot of the people that had heard that work, even if the band wasn't still around, they kind of respected me a little bit more and kind of gave me Mm. more of a shot because of the stuff that we'd done. Because 
I mean, in any other any other circumstances, the Budo Jenkins would have been the biggest band in the world, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it just wasn't meant to be. But yeah, it opened doors for other things. But uh, I still look back on that band as mm-hmm. probably the top. I mean, I know pride is kind of a scary thing, but I'm very, very proud of what we did in that band. I'm almost more proud. I mean, my Israel is great, but the demos that we did kind of when the band was ending mm-hmm. with the fake drums. Yeah. I thought that the progression we were going to where we were really mixing a lot of the different genres together. I, I definitely regret that. I don't know if regret's the right word. I'm I'm disappointed that we didn't get a, a shot at a like a serious professional professional full length or EP or something. Yeah, yeah, for some of those songs because a lot of those songs, like a lot of the songs that that other, I mean, the Widow Jenkins. That's that's a story. Or not the Widow Jenkins. Uh, My Israel is uh, a story in itself about how how much how how many times that song was mixed down and remixed. And I seem to remember uh, Tyler. From Margo, Margo and the Nuclear So and So, yeah. he uh, would want to borrow your amp. He wanted to borrow he my amp. Borrow your, your half stack. So and every time I would be like, "Well, let's uh, yeah, let's and remix and, and master." Then, and then he would be like, "Hey, you know, well, I'm gonna go and do some more stuff to this. So can I borrow your, you know?" And then I remember going down and recording new vocals. I mean, you have this really nice on that song. These really nice layered, layered harmonies, layered, layered harmonies, layered, everything. You know, it sounded really nice. That I've never we been sound able... replaced some of the drum tones and, and mixed and matched and like. That song, yeah, I mean, it had a real, like, a really high quality record. You know, that song's uh, probably got mastering. as much work in it as most people's full lengths. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I regret or you know, disappointed or whatever that we we never got to to have the rest of our songs have that treatment, and they have you know the like a fake drums and yeah. you know just you know me and you kind of messing around on uh, those on are a, some of my you know, fondest audition. memories writing songs oh, absolutely yeah you and i you know with you know a big gulp mountain dew to keep me awake <laughs> just chilling in your house until like three or four in the morning writing songs and and looping drums oh yeah and... yeah great times man i love it i love doing that um, yeah, good stuff. And I still, to this day, like I, I was on the band camp last night in preparation for talking to you and it had been years since I've heard a couple of those songs. And I mean, I'm not tooting our own horn or anything, but they still hold up. Like to <laughs> me, like I listen to them like, wow, those could have been amazing songs if we would have actually taken them to a studio and did yeah. the right thing, you know? Right. Yeah. So that, so the Widow Jenkins kind of died out. That's when Brian and Jake and I joined the Ataris. Mm. So after that, did you do anything musically after that? No. You no. just kind of gave up on music <laughs> no, I, for I, a while? Dude, I was, I mean, I was in, in it uh, uh, from, you know, the age of 15, you know, I was either in a band, getting ready to join a band or getting ready to leave a band from the time I was 15 until 30. So, uh, I, I just, I was kind of exhausted and I needed to, to see if there was anything else, yeah. you know, worth doing in life, you know? So that's, you know, really that was, and you know, that's not entirely true because I did kind of play around with my, my friend Jason. We, we had a, a sort of a kind of a bedroom recording band that we did. And that was kind of like a horror punk little little thing called night gaunt and you know we'd kind of mess around with that every once in a while but there wasn't any like it wasn't really serious or anything like that you know it wasn't there were no shows to be played or you know anything like that so yeah i mean uh but then 
you know, recently I've been kind of slowly kind of creeping back into it. You know, now the kids are a little bit older. Well, one of them is, and and uh, um, we recorded a, a a song for uh, where we go to church. We there's a, a talent show, and me and my wife recorded a just like a, a vocal harmony thing for their their talent show, and uh, that ended up you know coming it's like turning out really well and and it kind of reminded me of uh of like what it used to I mean it was like kind of sort of sort of went viral not you know <laughs> like in the you know yeah I a few you. hundred plays you know around you know for anybody who would be interested in that but uh that kind of reminded me a little bit of what it was like to to play yeah. music and like I hadn't really recorded anything in at least shoot six or seven years yeah so yeah that's a uh, I uh I recently got a seven-string guitar and a five-string bass. Cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, well, that's one up in me on strings. Seven-string guitar, man. <laughs> Where have you been all my life? Seven-string guitar. You, you know, know, it's like the top six, the six strings. You know, for the, like the regular. And then you've got a B, a B, a you low got that B, B string. You know, then I drop that down to uh, down a down a, a step to what I don't know what the tuning is. Is it drop A? It would probably be A if you're going down a full step, yeah. But, you know, so you can play with kind of like in the drop tuning on the lower string, and then you can do all the, the genty stuff, and, you know, and then... Course, there's an eight-string guitar. Yeah, I've seen them. Here, no, at the oh, store. Oh, here, there's one here? Oh, I tried yeah, playing I, it, and I, man, I, I'm <laughs> I'm so old school. Like, I even tried the seven, and I just don't get it. You don't it. like the seven? I love the seven. I love, I love the, the seven, seven but it... It messes with my mind when I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to play a B. Oh, it's just open. Like, I just... Yeah, yeah. I'm so used to having Well, I that. mean, you know how I play. I play with a, a lot of intervals when I would yeah. play a lot of, you know, like just the... Major, kind of minor, the, thirds, yeah, stuff like stuff that. Yeah, stuff like that. And uh, that that's, lends itself really well to that, to that playing, to my playing style, yeah. so... That's and, cool. Yeah. Plus, I, you know, I love the, like, the low tunings. And yeah. plus, I mean, corn's your most... The band you love the most. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, corn. Corn was corn was it. You know that. No. <laughs> I actually, this is funny. My my last guest, uh, Dewey Helpus, used to be in a band called Anatomy of a Ghost. He played with uh, Portugal the Man. He has a podcast called yeah. Peer Pleasure Podcast. Uh-huh. And he just had a couple, like a month or two ago, he had uh, Head from Corn. Oh yeah. His guest. And I never knew this, but Head like lives in Noblesville. Does he? Yeah, he's got oh. like I guess his uh, his daughter's mother, like her family's from Indiana. You're right. So like huh. maybe we'll run into heads. Maybe we will. I n- I never I I you know never got into corn. I mean like I I, I appreciated them and everything, but when back when they were blowing up and all that. I like the first stuff. record. I thought it was kind of new and interesting, and then everybody kind of started going that route, and I did. Yeah, I kind of lost I interest. Uh, yeah. So. But he seemed really cool on the episode, though. I'd like to hang out with him. Yeah. yeah. I tell people all the time, it's like, man, I'm not a fan of Kid Rock, but I would totally chill with the dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I... it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, okay. So the band's over. You kind of drift away from music. Mm-hmm. Now, a thing that I'm really excited about, and we can jump forward now. Uh, we're almost to an hour, but I'm going to, you right. know, you're my buddy. We're going to go a little long with yeah, this. Okay. So you're doing this gaming thing. Can you explain me to me how that started and the success you've had? Cause I know it's been fairly successful so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a nerd surprise. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I played Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, magic, the gathering back when I was, you know, a kid and might still, still do it maybe sometimes. And, uh, I, I, I love that. And there's been this, uh, Resurgence of of gaming these, these uh, lately this uh, 
is all these forty-year-old uh, dudes realize they can't go out and do anything anymore. <laughs> they, you know, and uh, there's kind of been this uh, this rebirth, and we're in the golden age of these of these games, and uh, they're really sophisticated now, and and uh, a lot a lot more. It's not just Monopoly. You know, they're really um, they've come a long way, but. You know, I, I now, was and let's that. let's tell people this that are listening. When I say gaming, I probably use the wrong term. We're talking like board games, yeah, ta- cards, tabletop games, tabletop, tabletop games. games is the is a proper term. Um, probably the biggest one that that, every, that everyone would know would be Cards Against Humanity is yeah. considered tabletop. I mean, like in that kind of genre. Um, but anyway, uh, let's see. Um, when when I moved back here from Bloomington. Uh, I, I started spending a lot of time with, with uh, my my friends of more of the nerd persuasion, you know, less uh, less of the, the musical yeah. people that I was hanging out with, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of crossover there, but overlap, uh, a of, yeah, a lot of overlap between the you know the gaming geeks and the music geeks, but uh, but I, you know I was getting into that and I was seeing how far things had come, and, and then Kickstarter, you know, Kickstarter had it had been out for a while, but. Uh, we we started to see how these these companies were, were using Kickstarter to to launch a game, launch a record, launch, you know. And I thought, hey, you know, we could do this. Let's let's work at it. Let's do it. And uh, we did, and we beat the odds with you know there's something like a thirty percent success rate for first time projects, and we beat the odds with 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 our game. We were up against a lot of really uh, big. Uh, big games that had, that had come out that had, that were kickstarting at the same time. There's like a really popular, controversial game called Kingdom Death Monster that we inadvertently had, you know, something like I can't remember how many millions they made, but I mean it was sucking every, you know, all of the backers up, and we kind of snuck in somewhere in there, you know, while that was going on, and uh, we um, so we had a, a success with that, and then just kind of slowly. Um, I began, you know, just kind of working off of that, just kind of stair step and, and, and go further. We're releasing our, well, not releasing, but we're going to begin promotion of our new game. What's the um, first game called? The first game's called Life and Legend. Life and Legend. Yes, and it's uh, it's a card game. Um, and it's really a kind of a, the idea of like adventure games and role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons. We tried to really boil all of this stuff down and condense it down into like a smaller card game. And, uh, but it's, it's still pretty complex and, um, but that, that was our first game and, um, and it had, had a lot of success, a lot of diehard fans, a lot of people like it. And I, I noticed there's so many similarities. I think I was talking to you about this earlier between the, the gaming industry and the DIY industry and the music, yeah. the music industry and the DIY, you know, um, kind of spirit is there and, a lot of the lessons that I learned from music and, you know, um, you know, uh, booking your own tours. You can extrapolate the stuff you learned and and use it with the game. It's very, very similar. Yeah. Uh, It's almost the exact same thing. Um, other than there's just not music. It's just, it's just a different product. I feel the same way about the podcasting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really strange. So, I mean, that was a, uh, a big preparation for me to be able to do that. And it's turned out to be more lucrative for me than, than the music has been. And uh, yeah, I like it. And, you know, I I like, you know, we were also talking about doing uh, creative things and, you know, keep, 
keeping yourself going and, and uh, with that and it's a it's a really good creative outlet for me and, and I actually kind of enjoy being a publisher in that sense yeah. you know um, when really Lost Age Games that's the that's the company and it's kind of almost like a vanity label it's almost like my epitaph yeah or my fat records or you know whatever um, but I for now you yeah. know but just like epitaph or you know I want to add uh, you know like how I want that to grow you know what I'm saying yeah and uh, so yeah we're on track for that and hopefully it'll keep growing so with the uh, you know with getting ready to produce the second game mm-hmm. uh, is it going to be another crowdfunding experience yeah. yes okay and you've probably got enough backers that really enjoyed the first one that you'll probably be able to you know you'll know this time it'll be funded right yeah it's uh, and we're what we're producing this time isn't going to to be as expensive. It okay. won't be as it won't be as big of a financial burden because we made we basically broke even with our first game, um, and we made a little bit off of it. But all of the all of the money comes after the Kickstarter. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's just uh, it's a. It's it's really just a Kickstarter, you know. You're just kickstarting something, and I think a lot of people are kind of confusing it now with the pre-order system. Yeah, they're expecting everything to be finished, everything to be ready. So it's a lot more difficult now. To, I mean, to when get it gets something. funded, then you have to send all the proofs. Yeah, and do all the yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So like this one, where you know we we made some mistakes the first time around, and with this new game, we're, we're going to make less mistakes hopefully, <laughs> and uh, and we'll uh, come up with a. With a, a smoother experience, and and hopefully we'll make enough from that, and we'll just keep going, and yeah. and uh, and yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, a lot of people have different ideas on, you know, like opinions on crowdfunding, but like mm-hmm. MXPX's new record. Yeah, I was going to mention that completely yeah. crowdfunded. Yes, and they made what something like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. They were like, yeah. I think it was forty five percent past what they needed to actually yeah. be funded, and I mean, when you look at that. If you have the fans, I mean, that's one thing. Metallica, I remember I read this interview with James Hetfield a couple years ago. He said, you know, we're going to sign to a new label or whatever, but we don't have to. He mm-hmm. said, we're Metallica. We could put anything out we want, right? no matter how we do it, and people are going to buy it. And that's kind of, you know, MXPX and bands like that that have that back catalog. Yeah, that's, where you were, that's definitely where you want to be. Yeah. You know? And I mean, and, and you guys, the first time it worked... So you mm-hmm. have all these happy people. Hopefully they're happy. Yeah, a few. And then you're going to do it again. I, I see no reason why it wouldn't be, especially yeah. if it's a lower price yeah, point. Yeah, lower, lower funding goal. And then, you know, we can, we can hopefully work up to larger, yeah. you know, projects. Have you, had, that, uh, have you had any, a lot of international yeah. people, right? Oh, yeah. Lots of, lots of people from all over the world. I think the... Trying to think of the most far flung regions that you know, the uncommon. I mean, Europe is pretty common. Did you, you, know, you get people from Europe, but like Japan, because uh, did you take into consideration before you did like the like the rewards and everything, the shipping for international? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, if you wanted to get you know, have a, a whole podcast dedicated to how confusing and difficult international shipping is, it's crazy, you know, it's it's insane. I shipped um, a guitar to, to uh, Africa one time and. I barely made any money off the oh, guitar. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, there's customs fees on top of regular shipping. The people, and when taxes. they get the items, they have to pay taxes to mm-hmm. get it. it, it it's just ridiculous. We, we were able to circumvent some of those things with uh, where our distributors were or our uh, fulfillment centers were located and able to offer customs-friendly shipping to different countries and things. But, I mean, it's it's pretty expensive. And, I mean, one thing that, that you learn 
uh, is that uh, Switzerland is not a part of the EU. Yeah. <laughs> when you're, you know, when you're shipping it, I mean, that's like, yeah, that's, that makes sense. But, yeah. you know, you don't think about that. And then you're like, you know, they get, it's just like a, a whole, just weird little things like that when you're, when you're dealing with that thing and shipping things out all over the world. And I did that for a little while with, with uh, eBay. Yeah. And, and, you know, with the, with the uh, shipping and the fulfillment and stuff. So it wasn't my first rodeo, but still, boy. In <laughs> uh, the Kickstarter, I don't know if you ever had any plans on kickstarting anything or, or were a, a part of any, any Maybe. of that. But, uh, man, it's extremely stressful experience. I bet. Oh, my gosh. Uh, some guy, uh, a, uh, the ad- administrator for some big gaming group kind of, like, contacted me out of nowhere right when we launched our Kickstarter. And he's like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And he said, how's your stress level? <laughs> that, was <just laughs> where, you know, that was the first question. I'm like, very high. And then we went on the talk. But yeah, yeah, it's been quite, it's been quite a ride and it's been, it's been really fun too. So, so let's, uh, here, I've got two more little questions. So sure. first off I'll say, so what's more stressful, me trying to get you to play shows and practice <laughs> or doing <laughs> Kickstarter? Hey, I love practice. You know, I'll practice all day long. I remember in our first band in uh, Jolly Stompers, uh, we were just livid that we were only allowed to practice for two hours a day at this place. I mean, we were livid. Yeah. You mean only practice two hours a day. We need to practice four, five, six hours a day, you know, because when you, when you love to do something, yeah, it's, it's fun. Not, it's not a job, yeah, right? Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Playing shows is, uh, is still, is still difficult. For me, in you know, in in that way, just like many of the things that are involved in this, doing demos for yeah. games, uh, you know, podcasts, for instance, you know, these things. <laughs> How are, do you feel on here? You feel pretty things, comfortable. I feel, I feel pretty comfortable. I feel pretty okay. good. Feel pretty positive. I think it's it. been a pretty good episode. I'm having yeah. a good time chatting with you, man. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So yeah. So okay, so this is called that one time on tour. Now I know the Widow Jenkins only toured, you know. A little bit, not, mm. not a lot. Do you have a story or something that stands out from some of those shows that we played that you might want to tell us? Let me see. <laughs> it's a hard question. I put you on the spot. Uh, well, boy. Do you remember when uh, that we didn't I, get we didn't get paid and you put a hotel room on your credit card because you just wanted to go to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that. That sounds like something I do. None of us had any money and we didn't get paid at the show and we were like somewhere down south and you're just like screw it. Here's my credit card. <laughs> yeah, let's just do it. Uh, I remember playing a show where literally there was no one. There, yeah, literally. I think the bartender was the uh-huh. only person there. I think that might have been in Georgia or maybe in some southern state. I don't remember exactly. We played where it was. in Nashville at the Muse, and there was only the bands. Pretty much, I remember. Yeah, that. I mean, it, that was that was like I think it was a Tuesday night, and you know, I don't know what happened. I remember that um, Warp Tour. I remember playing uh, that show. Oh, so hot, hot. <laughs> and it was just just walking out from it they had that the stage set up with the air conditioner and the air conditioning coming yeah. down on top of you and then if you would even try to venture out beyond that that like wall of air conditioning it was like you know <laughs> oh man i, I remember that day at warp tour uh after we got done playing you everybody kind of bailed and so 
I had to get a lot of the equipment. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And I, I almost passed story. out. I was so hot, and the guys from Real Big Fish took me on their bus and gave me like. A, I was trying to remember what band it was. I knew it was. I knew it was like. A band well, band they band they, they knew you. they knew me because when I was playing with Brazil on Warp Tour. Like I got to know a couple of those guys. So like they saw me like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm moving equipment. And they're like, you're going to pass out. And they took me on the bus and like nursed me back to hell. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that, man, you know, yeah, I'm drawing a complete blank. That's sad because, you know, uh, it's a long time ago. This has been a long time. Not something I think about a lot, but (laughs) you know, uh, I, I do remember, you know, this isn't a tour story, but I remember you, uh, like calling someone from Goldfinger. Oh, I called John. Was it John? Yeah, yeah I got John's like, number you, from you, somebody. Like, you randomly like got his number, and you know we were like, we need to. I, I think it, what was the band that was they he signed and and uh, uh, the used the used, yeah. and we were like, hey. Well, they, I, th- I think it was one of the guys from the U's that I'd met and yeah. I, I was kind of friendly with, like Jeff or somebody, and I got John's number, and I'm like, screw this, I'm just going to call yeah, him. Yeah, there's like, hey, he, he, you know, he did this with the U's, maybe he'll do that with us, and you know, so let's just call him out of nowhere, because that's not going to freak him out or anything. Yeah, I was stupid and young. <laughs> I mean, that was great, though. I mean, that was... He talked to me. Yeah, he did. He was super the, nice. He's like, here's my address, send yeah, the stuff. Yeah, and, and then, then he, like, he got off the phone with you, then he called you back, yeah. like, right, right away and said, hey, by the way... Uh, uh, it's cool that you called me, but don't but give please my don't give out. out my number to anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that was cool. Well, I, I met John a few times after that with yeah. other touring. Did he ever? Uh, I, I, I never bring that up with him? I never brought it up to him, but he's always been the sweetest, yeah. sweetest guy. Yeah, I mean, we we meant no harm. Yeah. Obviously, you know, we just well when um, you're young and yeah, you're, we, you want to do anything right. you can to like get to that next level. It's like, oh, yeah. I got this phone number for this guy. I, yeah, I'm just gonna call him. Right. Yeah. It, <laughs> Yeah, it could have worked. That's a know. great story, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, uh, I remember uh, Nat. Was it Nass? Is that his name from uh, Scree- Screeching Weasel? Was that the band he was in? Squirt Gun. Squirt Gun. And uh, I remember his his dog peeing on me once when we went down to his recording studio. <laughs> I, tell, I tell that story a lot. That but, dog has since passed. And uh, I'm sorry, Mass, if you're listening out there. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Rest was, in peace. I didn't know what to do. I was really like, oh. Um, <laughs> That was back in the first incarnation. That's when we played in Lafayette. Yeah, we, we got to go Lafayette. down to Sonic Iguana and yeah. see the studio. Mm-hmm. Brian was working there at the time, I think. Mm, yeah. Right out of school, he was working there. Cool. Well, I'll tell you what, man. We are past an hour. I'm sure we are. <laughs> and I, I like to edit sometimes, but I, I think everything we talked about is pretty good. I'm probably going to leave most of it All in. Right. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I still, I know we don't ever see each other, but you're one of my best friends. I no, love absolutely, you, man. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, some of the best times I ever had playing music was with you, writing mm-hmm. songs was with yeah, you. Yeah, likewise. So, um, is there anything now that you want to promote? Can you give like the the web presence of your your game company? Yeah, if, if any if any of you listeners are into tabletop games or know anyone who's into tabletop games, uh, card games, you know, board games, adventure games, uh, please check out LostAgeGames.com and. Uh, you guys on we Twitter might, and everything. We're too? on Twitter, you know, at Lost Stage Games on Facebook, you know, slash Lost Stage Games. So yeah, check us out. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you very much, and uh, maybe we'll have a part two at some point. Maybe we, we will talk about some other yeah, crazy stuff. We'll write down some stories we didn't get to talk about. <laughs> well, hey, thank you very much, hey, and my uh, we'll see you next time, man. 
And there it was, my conversation with my good friend Adam Glass from the Widow Jenkins and Lost Age Games. I had so much fun talking to Adam. I hadn't seen him in years, and uh, hopefully it won't be years until the next time that we sit down. But uh, we did talk a lot about the Widow Jenkins song, My Israel. Uh, So I'm going to leave you guys with that. Um, It's a very proud moment for me. Uh, I wrote all the music for that. Adam, uh, you know, wrote all the lyrics and whatnot. And for some reason, it just kind of like we had a lot of songs we really, really liked, but that song seemed to resonate with people. And uh, so if you've never heard it before, you're going to get your chance right here. If you like it and you want it, you can get it from iTunes or different places. But you can also just email me at tototpodcast at gmail.com and I'll send you a free copy because I would rather just give it to you. (laughs) So uh, if you like the song and you want it, just hit me up and I will send it to you. But uh, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. Next week on the show, we have a good, good friend of mine, Mr. Chris Rowe from the Ataris, is going to finally be on the show. So make sure to come back next week for that. And Chris and I get really deep into a lot of stuff. And it had been a long time since I'd talked to Chris, too, and it was wonderful speaking with him. So come back next week for that. And uh, I just want to thank you guys very much. This podcast is is a lot of fun, and I, I feel like I have my cre- my creative outlet back. Uh, not playing in a band, it gets kind of weird. Like when your whole life is playing music, and then you're no longer in a band, you're not touring, you're not like creating. Uh, this is cool because I get to talk to you guys, and, and it seems like people actually care. So thank you guys very much for caring and for letting me into your life. And uh, here it is, The Widow Jenkins with My Israel. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot.
I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>